0: My name is Pastor Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the student pastor here at Covenant. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I have the privilege and opportunity to bring to you God's Word this morning. and I'm thankful for that opportunity. A couple of things I want to announce Women of Covenant, next Sunday is your regular monthly meeting. Normally at five o'clock, y'all come down here and meet here, and y'all have a great time hanging out together, praying with each other, about studying God's Word. Next Sunday, it won't be down here. It'll actually be up in the great room because we have an event going on uh, in the afternoon here in the, in the worship center. So please make note of that. At 5 o'clock, y'all will actually be in the great room. So if you have not been to one of the Women of Covenant meetings, you'll want to come. If you have, you'll want to come. Either way, come. Uh, I also have a prayer request as the student pastor. Friday afternoon... Uh, we will be leaving and taking around a little over 30 students to reboot at Skycroft. We did this last year. We've done this several years, but uh, we are going to go back. Um, this is an opportunity for our kids to engage, re-engage, and re-take uh, their, get their minds set back on God and what God desires and what God wants. And last year it was a phenomenal experience. We had about 20 go this year. We have 30 going. So it'll be even bigger. Um, pray for Pastor Adam. He's the guy who's going to be speaking to our students. He's a church planner out of Baltimore, grew up in a Muslim home. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting experience to hear from Pastor Adam. So pray for the leaders. There's uh, five, I think five of us adults are going, plus 30 kids. So uh, be a part, uh, be praying for us this weekend. I would greatly appreciate it and um, that you would do that. If you will, turn in your Bible to James chapter 5. Um, James is a very cool book. I love the book of James. Uh, if you could nail me down on one book of the Bible that I like to read and have read a lot of, James is one of those books that I, just, I enjoy reading. Um, because I think it's got a lot to say to us as Christians, and if, if you really delve into the book of James uh, there's a lot of things that it says to us about living the Christian life and what it means and you know Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve I get the opportunity to talk to you so you know y'all are probably making resolutions right getting ready for the new year ready to get healthier you know you know what that means I'm going to get healthier this year you know what that means I'm going to lose weight right that's what you're really saying. But I'm going to say it too. I'm going to get healthier this year. Maybe you're going to look for a new job. Maybe you're going to look for another opportunity. Maybe you're going to start your education. Maybe there's a lot of things that you want to do and you're like, hey, I got to, I got to really nail down. I'm going to create some re- resolutions and, and I'm going to really commit at least the first three days of the new year to go to the gym. All along with everybody else because that's why the gyms are all so crowded the first of the year and all gym memberships go up and then people pay for gym memberships for the next six months but don't only go the first three days of the year. Oh, just kidding. I heard it once said that really you should make three resolutions every year. One for your body, one for your mind, and one for your soul. Now I kind of thought that was a kind of cool idea, a way to look at it. Make one for your body, something you're going to do for your body. Um, not the seafood diet. If you seafood, you eat it. But, you know, maybe make healthier choices for your body. Make healthy choices for your mind, what you think about, and how you think, and what you do with your mind. Maybe you start studying some things and help increase your intensity in, in study so your mind is getting a good workout. And for your soul as well. This morning, I want to encourage you for your soul. As a good preacher will do, encourage you for your soul and what you're doing in your life. But I think if you do and live and talk, take and put into practice a little bit of what is going to be talked about this morning, it actually will do good for your mind and your body as well. Because this morning we're going to be talking about prayer. And prayer is good for every aspect of who you are as a person. It's good for every aspect of who you are as a believer and follower of Christ. And I think that's something that we should all take into consideration as we start a new year. At any point in time in our lives, if we're refocusing our idea, our mindset of who we are and what we need to do, prayer should be something that that should be taken priority in our lives. Because I'm going to ask, show of hands, who prays as much as they think they should? Yeah, like I thought, nobody raised their hands, not even me. Because I don't think any of us probably think we pray as much as we should. We pray, but maybe we don't pray. We could pray more always, right? You know, so if I was going to go to look at prayer, you might think, oh, Chris, we'll go to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There he gives the model prayer. Y- y'all know all the model prayer is, right? some of y'all call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is actually John chapter 17. Or you could go to Luke chapter 11, where actually the disciples walk up to Jesus and ask him, teach us to pray, teach us how to pray. That would be a good place to go you could go to ephesians and where paul several times in the book of ephesians just breaks out in prayers he's writing the book of ephesians a letter to the church in ephesus he just breaks out in prayer for a couple of his verses and you could go to a couple of those different places where he breaks out in prayer in other ver- books of the that he wrote but we're going to go to james chapter 5 James chapter the reason I wanted to go to James is because I think James the book of James really is poignant for our life in the world we live in today. James, let me give you a little background on the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Um, James is a leader in the church at Jerusalem. Church history tells us that James was actually stoned by the Pharisees. They're not sure when, either 62 or 69. They're not sure exactly the date, but he was stoned by the Pharisees for his faith in Christ. James is writing the book of James to people that were a part of the church of Jerusalem who had been dispersed throughout the region because of their faith in Christ. And many of them had been dispersed because of persecution. They had been sued by Jewish People because of their faith in Christ. They had been, their businesses had been boycotted because of their faith in Christ. And so they lost business because of it. Uh, many things that were happening to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So many of them looked for opportunities to take care of their life and help their life and, and disperse outside of Jerusalem. And, and James is writing to this group in Jerusalem and outside of Jerusalem who were primarily Jewish and from a cultural standpoint. And he's writing to them, and if you read the book of James, there's a lot of Jewish um, ima- imagery in it. And in, in, in but he, he's dealing with this, and he he's the whole book of James is talking about he he's talking about living the Christian life and how you live the Christian life the way God intended for you to, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of criticism midst of pain and sorrow and hurt, nobody in this room is dealing with any of that, right? Because here's the tendency we have, and James knew this, and that's why he wrote this book, is he, he realizes that people get inward focus when things start to happen to them. And they start getting focused on themselves and what's going on in their own lives, and, and dealing with what they're dealing with personally. And, and they become critical, and they become sometimes they become mean in their speech, and sometimes they become angry at each other, and selfish, and they start looking at themselves instead of the other people, and they don't care for the poor, and they don't care for widows, and they don't care for the people that don't look like them or act like them. And James is trying to people pull people out of that mindset into a mindset of what it means to be a follower of Christ and truly a follower of Christ and care the way Christ cares for people. He wanted to get rid of the double-mindedness that hinders our effectiveness as followers of Christ where we're focused on the world and focused somewhat on Jesus. And he wanted us to, people of that time and I think now for us to focus on jesus and live in the christian life that we've been called to live he calls his people the people that he's writing to to repent to be humble before god and allow god to exalt them james calls them to work diligently to bring other sinners back to faith in christ and then he comes to james chapter 5 And we come to this part about prayer in verse 12 is where we're going to start looking. But before that, in James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11, some interesting things happen. One of the most interesting things about 7 through 11 is he uses the word patience seven times. I hate that word, right? Any of y'all ever prayed for patience? I don't have it. I have to pray for it because I don't have it. I just need it. Here's the interesting thing. In verse 12, through the end of the chapter, through the end of the book, he uses the word prayer seven times. Now, I'm not a numerologist that thinks you have to look at all the numeral numbers and how they're listed in scripture and figure out the mystical meaning behind it all. I think it's a coincidence. I think it's a cool coincidence. I think it's something that is encouraging to us to realize that in order to be patient, maybe we need to pray more. That's what I think it says to us. In order to be better, be more patient when you're driving in your car and people don't act the way that you would want them to remember i'm pointing four fingers back at me when i'm pointing at you about these things that's that's my issue is i get i drive a lot i'm sorry i get impatient with people that don't drive like i want them to i mean good grief can't they read my mind and go faster and don't do that Maybe we need to pray more. Maybe I need to pray more. So, why not begin the new year with a inv- reinvigorated desire to pray? Let's look at this first. First thing James says is any among you suffering. This is a response to a defined situation, a definite situation. Definite situation, is any of you suffering? Am I suffering this morning? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially? Is there something going on in your life you're just suffering with? James gives us a very distinct command. What's that command? Pray. Now, notice what James doesn't do. James doesn't say pray and this and this and this and this and this will happen to you. There's no promise with this prayer. There's no promise of God will take away all your pain. God will take away all your sorrow. God will bless you financially. None of that. All that is asked of you is to pray without entertaining any idea of what might happen in return. We should just pray. Pray. Why? Because we're seeking the one who created us, the one who saved us. That should be our reward. The word suffering here means afflicted, smitten with trouble, hardship. It fits within the understanding, in this case, of persecution. It also can be fit within the understanding of you're dealing with stuff in your own life. Jim Elliott once wrote, The saint who advances on his knees never retreats. So if you're suffering, let him pray. Now, to understand what James is dealing with and talking about here in verse 12, let's scoop back a verse, or verse, yeah, verse 12, let's scoop back a verse to verse 11. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is a warning against, about making, taking oaths when difficult things happen. In other words, don't ever pull this one. God, if you get me out of this, I will let your yes be yes. And your Mo, be a person of your word, a person of honor. James is saying either do it or don't do it. Just let it be whatever you decide to let it be. Then he goes into verse 13 and instructs every believer, when difficult situations come, pray. When you have that choice before you of what you need to do, in letting your yes be yes and your no be no, pray. Prayer is our source of strength in life in, most dif- in any situation. It should be our go-to. It should not be our emergency call. It should be the thing that we are constantly in the state of. We are commanded in Scripture, throughout Scripture, to pray continually. Always praying. If you're only praying when things are not going right, you're looking for the 911 instead of the constant communication. We should always be praying. So if you're in distress, if you're suffering, if you're going through hardship, Pray. Continually pray. Seeking God. The next thing that James tells us is that we are to praise and delight. Is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. Paul tells the church at Ephesus and the believers that are to be about praise and thanks. He wrote to them, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything that God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we should rejoice when we are being blessed. This is a form of prayer as well, you realize. Praise is a form of prayer. So verse 13 tells us to do two things. One is no matter what the circumstances, and basically he's saying no matter what the circumstances, whether you're suffering, you should pray. Whether you're going through good times, you should pray. There's different types for each one. Praise is bringing adoration to God and recognizing who he is and what he's done in your life. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So we should pray in suffering. We should pray in times of good. So we basically should be always praying, it should be a habit in our lives that we always practice. whether it's a regular time of prayer when you get up in the morning or when you're sitting there drinking your coffee, when you're taking your shower, when you're driving down the road, or if it's just something comes to your mind and you pray. You should always be seeking to pray. When I was in college, I had a mentor of mine, Dr. Steger, who's one of my religion professors at Washtenaw and he told us that you know, anytime God brings somebody to your mind, pray for them, if, especially if it's somebody random that you hadn't thought about in a while. So this happened to me, my, February of my freshman year of college, for the whole month of February, it seemed like every time I turned around, this name kept on coming up in my mind. His name was Vincent Holmes, and I... Took my doctor, my professor, my mentor's advice and said, you know what? I'm going to pray for Vincent. So every time his name came up, I prayed for Vincent. I didn't know what was going on with Vincent. Vincent and I had a very strange relationship in high school. Vincent liked to consider me his punching bag. He always was trying to pick a fight with me. One day I'm sitting there, I'm playing center on the offensive line, and I'm over the ball in practice, and he's the the nose guard over top of me and we're getting ready to run a play and I'm standing over the ball, getting ready to snap the ball. And for some reason, only Vincent knows, Vincent just blew me up. Just boom. The quarterback wasn't even under center yet for no reason. He just, I stood up, grabbed the ball, walked five yards forward, put the ball down and called my huddle for my team. He would, he would pull things like this, come and blindside me and hit me. From all I knew, in February of that year, my freshman year of college, Vincent probably was dead from being a drug dealer. I wasn't far off what I found out later. I prayed for Vincent the whole month of February. (laughs) Every time I turned around, it seemed like Vincent's name was coming up. I was praying for him. Later that year, that summer, went back home. I was at the high school gym working out. Vincent came walking by. He said, hey, Chris. I was like, hey, Vincent, what's going on? He said, I need to talk to you. Okay? You want to talk right here? I really didn't want to leave the company of everybody in that room and go to Vincent's to some private place. You know, I was kind of like smart like that. He's like, Chris, I want to tell you. He said, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior this year. Really, Vincent? What happened? He said, well, in February, I was going to go sell drugs down in Dallas. I was taking some cocaine down to Dallas. I was going to go sell it. My parents, for some reason, made me go to church. I'm standing, up, I'm standing there in the back of the church because I'm ready to get out of there. I didn't want to be there. And the pastor calls other young adults and young kids up to the front. And he looks at me and says, you're going to Die tonight if you don't trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I went home and flushed all the cocaine down the toilet. Vincent, to this day, is still following Christ. I'm standing there going, (laughs) I was like, I got a story to tell you, Vincent. He's like, What's that? And I said, You said this was February. He said, yep. I said, you know what I was doing the whole month of February? He said, what? And I said, I was praying for you. He's like, what? I said, yeah. For some reason, I have no idea why. Now I know God put your name on my mind, and so I started praying for you, praying continually for you, and I kept praying for you, and I prayed for you, and I prayed for you, and I said, and the whole time I'm praying for you is, God, I have no idea why I'm praying for this fool. He's probably dead. He said, well, I would have been. Are any of you sick? Are any of you hurting? Pray. About, here's the funny thing. Vincent looked at me later on. We had a conversation about high school. He says, you know, in high school, the thing I wanted to do most in high school was fight you. I was like, yeah, I couldn't tell that at all. <laughs> had no clue. He's like, and the reason I wanted to fight you is because you never would fight me. I was like, well, part of that was because I was scared to death of you kids. You were crazy. He's like, yeah, I know. He said, but because you didn't want not find me. He says, you were the first person that had ever showed me Jesus. I was like, okay, God, thank you. Um, i tell you that story because the idea of praying continually means no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter who's in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, there are always reasons to be praying. And I'm going to encourage you, if you have somebody in your life that comes to your mind, comes to your, that you haven't thought about in years, but for some reason that name comes to you, who knows what God is doing in their life at that point in time? Pray for them. Pray. James goes on with this instructions in verse 14 and 15. He says, any one of you sick... Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And he is, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is a response to a destitute situation. How should I respond when I am sick? Sick meaning without strength depicts the debilitating effect of sickness. Effect of sickness in some cases, incapacitation of one. This is someone literally sick. What should we do? And there's a clear instructions for you. The first direction is invite the elders. Now, notice what, what it doesn't say. And this is a pet peeve of us pastors. It doesn't say, God has a special hotline to all the pastors and all the elders, and they're going to know you when you are sick, and they're going to know when you're going into the hospital for surgery. I'll take care of that. I've had that said to me before. Who's the onus put upon? You. If any of you are sick, you call. I'm going to tell you, the elders and the deacons of this church love you guys. They will pray for you at any point in time. At the drop of the hat, you call, they will pray. I have been called into prayer sessions where the elders were called to pray over someone sick on a Sunday morning many times in the past seven years that I've been here at this church, seven plus years. We will pray for you. We love to pray for you. But here's the thing. Please call us and let us know we need to pray for you. I'm just like you. There's not a bat phone in my house that's aligned to God that tells me so and so is in the hospital today about to have surgery. You know how I find out if you you are having surgery? If you call and tell us you're having surgery and I need to pray for you. Or you put in a prayer request online or on the blue card in front of you. We know what's going on in your life. So please do that because here's the thing. We want to pray for you. We want to know when you're hurting, when you're going through pain. And if you need to be gathered around as a group of, with a group of elders and prayed for, we're ready, willing, able to do that at the drop of a hat. We will gather around you. We will be praying for you. No matter what your need, no matter what your pain, no matter what your suffering, no matter what you're going through, we will be there. We just need to know that we need to be there. So invite the elders. I'm going to 14 and 15 is the prayer of faith where he talks about the prayer is not based on the one who is praying. It's not about me praying or, or Pastor Jack praying or Pastor Nelson or Pastor Joel praying over you. It's about who we are praying to. The God who is in heaven who is able to take care of whatever is going on in your life and help you either endure it or take it away, one of the two. The prayer of faith is the trust of who is being prayed to, not the ability of the person who is praying. And then there's the anointing of oil. Now there's much debate over this. Is this a ceremonial thing or is this a medicinal thing? I come down on the side of yes. There is a ceremony, you, you ask the elders to come, and I guarantee if Jack Tennant's there, he's got a bottle of oil in his pocket, and he will rub your head with oil as a ceremonial thing. But there is also medicinal things there too, because oil in the New Testament times was used for healing, was used to help people feel better. And I think today we can take that aspect of there is common grace that has been given to us that doctors have tested and studied things, and there are things that we can do physically to help us feel better. Medicinally, that can help us feel better. And I think the idea of anointing oil here has the ceremonial aspect that we should anoint people's heads with oil that are sick, but it also has the medicinal aspect that we should take care of ourselves and allow the doctors who understand science and things that are going on in our bodies to help take care of us. So when I was 35 years old, way too young for this, I went and had my first colonoscopy. You know why? Because my grandmother had colon cancer. Her daughter had colon cancer. My dad, her son, has had colon cancer. There is a high chance that I might get colon cancer. So you know what I need to do medicinally to make sure I'm taking care of myself? Every five years, I go have a colonoscopy. I'm a, in three years, I'll have my fifth. It's not fun. I don't like it, but I don't want colon cancer either, and I want to make sure it's detected early if it happens to be in my body. So I'm going to do what I need to do practically to take care of that. I'm going to trust God that he's going to help me, and he's going to give me health and take care of me, and if I ever do get colon cancer, God will take care of me, whatever that means. But I'm going to do the things necessary to make sure that I'm on top of that as well. This is not a passage for you to go look at and go, oh, if I get my head in oil with oil, I don't have to do anything f- with the doctors about No, take care of yourself physically as well. So we should do this. You should seek the elders to pray for you. You should seek the elders to pray the prayer of faith because they're praying to the God who is in heaven for you, and you should seek have your head anointed and if if necessary seek out the medical care and attention that you need to take care of yourself so that you're healthy because God can use medicine too the whole thing the idea behind it is that there's a willing Lord a willing God behind all of this to take care of us. When we pray, we should pray in the name of the Lord is what we're ter- told in these verses. This is synonymous with the will of the Lord or let God's will be done. First John five fourteen says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Or James 4.15, he earlier says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Ultimately, any prayer of faith is designed what God's will is for that person and seeking what God wants in that situation. And sometimes what God wants is not always what we want. And that's why we need to make sure our will and his will aligns. I use the example of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on this one a lot. Jesus goes in the Garden of Gethsemane the, the night before he is crucified. And what does he pray? Lord, take this cup from me. I think at this point, in my own opinion of this verse Jesus is the most human he has ever presented himself in Scripture. He knows what he's about to go through. He knows what he's about to deal with. He understands the gravity of the situation. And his, his fleshly desire is, I really do not want to go through with this. I don't want to have to die on the cross. I don't want to have to go through the pain and that torture. Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want to deal with it. But what is his prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. Some of you are sick and you're wanting God to heal you, and I understand that desire greatly. But also understand God might not do that because He has a greater purpose for you in your sickness. That's why our mindset, our attitude should be, God, no matter what happens to me, no matter what I go through, no matter what I have to deal with, not my will be done, but your will be done. It's not easy sometimes having that attitude, is it? It's not easy. But that's what we are as his vessels. We may not understand why, of the situation, we may not understand what happens. But this side of heaven, we may not understand. My, my, my prayer, my hope is for all of us, no matter what, if we've seen somebody suffer, seen somebody hurt, or seen somebody go through tragedy, or we've gone through tragedy ourselves, this side of heaven, one day we'll get to heaven and we'll see the why of that situation. Because we never know what God's gonna do in that situation. And we have to trust the God who created us, cares for us, loves us, sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. We have to trust that God that no matter what the circumstances of our lives or the lives around us, he will take care of us one way or another. And ultimately, his will will be done. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verses 16 through 18 gives us a response to prayer. Verse 16 is, is not saying that the problems in verses 14 or 15 are the result of sin. Okay, I want you all to understand this. There is that mindset. It was that mindset when James's time. There's that mindset even today that if you're hurting or if you're sick or you're afflicted, there's some kind of sin in your life and you've got to take care of that sin to get rid of that. Let's not put that on people, please. Okay? James is saying that forgiveness comes when confession is made, and if there needs to be confession, confess, and there will be forgiveness will be given. But the sin doesn't necessarily mean that that person is sick because of it. Healing will come, maybe not this side of heaven. Trust me, I physically am looking forward to the day that I'm not in pain in my shoulders all the time when I get to heaven. I'm sure all of you have some ailment that you're looking forward to not having to deal with when you get to heaven because but ultimately heaven's going to mean glorification and glorification means our bodies. Are gonna be great, <laughs> and both these ankles that hurt me all the time, and these in the shoulders and the neck that hurt me all. It's gonna be on that ringing in my ear. I have. It's gonna go away. Y'all are probably looking at me going, "Well, Chris, I've got this," and I got. I get you. Y'all got stuff too, and y'all are dealing with stuff too. In this side of heaven, we're just gonna to have to live through that and trust God that He's gonna take care of us through it. And on the other side of the heaven, we're going to jump up for joy because we don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. But just because you have situations in your life physically hinder you doesn't mean that it's a sin in your life that's causing that problem. Don't do that to yourself. The reason we confess our sins and we confess our sins one to another is so that iron sharpens iron and we're able to build each other up, encourage each other, strengthen each other and empower each other to be the Christians that God has called us to be. That's why the word effective in verse 16, the effective, the efficient prayer of a righteous man. The Greek word for effective there is the word that we get our word energy from. So the energizing power of prayer, the energizing prayer of a righteous man. Great power is working. Then James gives a illustration from Elijah. Now the people that James is writing this to would definitely understand who Elijah is, know the story of Elijah. He was the great prophet of Israel. He's revered by the pe- Jewish people greatly. But it's interesting to me that, that James doesn't choose one of Elijah's better-known prayer times, times of prayer, where he's going up against the, the religious leader's And he he pours water all over the altar and prays, and God consumes it with fire. That would have been a good one to use there, James. You know, great power of God in that situation. James uses a lesser note. It's actually, the story is actually found in 1 Kings 17 and 18. God was punishing Ahab for his idolatry, so he announced a drought. Elijah prayed for the drought. We are told, he's seen in verses, verse 42 of chapter 18, praying for, also praying for its end, and after three and a half years, the drought ends. James chooses this exploit of Elijah to show that God's power is there when we pray, So that we understand that our connection to God in prayer is so valuable and so important. Elijah was a prophet of God, yes. But he was still just a man. And it's not about who Elijah is, it's about who God is. So when you pray, it's not about who you are or those praying for you. It's about who God is in that situation, in his ability To hear your prayers, His ability to do something about your situation that you are praying about, His power, His strength, His wisdom, His mercy, His grace, all of those things, it's about who God is in that situation. The problem is in our society today, we rush around so fast and so hurriedly, we get so busy. So throwing ourselves into this and that and other things that prayer is often a lost and forgotten heart. I'm a fix it guy. See problem, fix it. It's what I do. It's what I do for a living on my main job. So I, you know, it's always, for me, it's always pull back, Chris. In other situations, I don't have to fix everything. Sometimes the best thing I can do is do nothing because I'll probably just gum it up even worse. The best thing I can do is step back and pray. And that's hard sometimes for me because I want to jump in and say, this is the problem, this is the problem, let's do this and this and this and to fix it. We'll take care of it all. And sometimes the best thing I can do is take a step back and go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this situation to take care of this situation. And if you need to use me in that, in some way, I'll be happy to do that for you. But we get in that hurry. There's a reason there's a verse in the Bible that says, Be still and know that I am God. Y'all understand that, right? There's a reason that mindset was it's set during the, during the psalmist, right? I think that is even more poignant today in our society with its rush and hurry and busy and speed and go, go, go attitude and schedule making. That there are times that the best thing you can do is put everything down. Say no to situations. And be still and know that he is God. And pray. And seek him. And trust that the God who is there and loves you will take care of whatever you're going Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace and your love for us and your desire for us to be truly, fully followers of you and that prayer is an essential aspect of that for us. Lord, help us to seek you. Help us to come together as a body of believers to seek you more to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another for the life that is ahead of us. And Lord, as we get get ready to start a new year, kind of a starting point for new decisions and new ideas in our own lives, Lord, help us to seek you more in 2024, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, who died for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here. And I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already received from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.